A few months ago, I took a trip to Colorado. Yes, it was a ski trip. No, I'm not any good. I flew in and out of the Denver International Airport, an airport that's special for a number of reasons, from its massive statue of a blue horse with red glowing eyes, to the numerous conspiracy theories about how it's actually an underground bunker for world leaders. And then there's all the artwork seemingly depicting the apocalypse, and a time capsule dedicated to the New World Airport Commission, an organization that doesn't exist. You know, a lot of people think there's an alien base. Oh yeah, can't forget about the alien base and the fact that the runways are allegedly in the shape of a swastika. Now, I didn't see any aliens, or space Nazis for that matter, but I did experience a really nice airport. It was well thought out. I got through security in like five minutes, arrived at the American Express Lounge in even less time, and after eating more than my fair share of food, rolled effortlessly onto the plane. And all this got me thinking. Maybe there is a group of all-powerful people controlling every aspect of society. And maybe they're not doing such a bad job. Sure, there's a global pandemic that's gone largely unchecked for two years, and there's multiple nonsensical wars raging, and nobody watches the Oscars anymore. But the New World Order built a damn good airport. Okay, on second thought, I'm Ari Kagan, you're listening to Things You Don't Need to Know, and this episode is about how I'm starting a secret society. I have no idea what that was. Anyway, the first thing you should know is that by definition, secret societies themselves aren't necessarily secret. According to Merriam-Webster, a secret society is an organization whose members are sworn to secrecy about its activities. This does not mean that the society itself is a secret. However, it does mean that if you sign an NDA, you're kind of part of a secret society. In fact, I would argue that large corporations like Apple or Google are actually far more secret society than the world's largest secret society, Freemasonry. Freemasonry has around 6 million members worldwide, and if you go to their website, it not only tells you how you can become a Mason, but it tells you about who they are and what they believe. My name's Mark Tabbert. Mark has a master's degree in museum studies in American history. He's a 33rd degree master Mason and just published a new book, A Deserving Brother, George Washington and Freemasonry. Freemasonry, as a fraternal organization, its fundamental purpose is self-improvement, to improve the individual man through intellectual, spiritual, and moral principles that man should then go out in the world and improve society. Are the Masons involved in any sort of kind of world conspiracies? No. So it's ridiculous in so many ways. So for 1850, Freemasonry was on the side of um, democracy, on the side of suffrage, on the side of free press. Um, and so that was contradictory towards the strength of the Roman Catholic Church, the, the kings and emperors that ran Europe and the other empires around the world. So Freemasonry is viewed as conspiratorial because they were fighting for what we would call liberal democracy today. So Freemasonry as an organization does not improve or impact society, but individual men who are Freemasons do. And there have been countless Masons who have. Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, Winston Churchill, Mozart. The list goes on. I could literally be here all day. Freemasonry has grown around the world through 130 countries. It grows in any free country. So there are lodges throughout South America, Africa, Asia, Europe, of course, but not in places like Iran, not obviously in a place like North Korea. At its peak in 1959, over 4 million Americans were Freemasons. Nowadays, it sits around 2 million. How does someone uh, become a Mason? Uh, a man has to ask to join. Freemasonry does not solicit membership. To join, it has to be of your own free will and accord. You have to seek a lodge. You have to ask a brother Mason to join. The, the man then asks you certain questions to make sure you're sincere. 
They uh, ask you to fill out an application. You have to confess whether or not you have any criminal record or that you're an immoral person. The lodge sets up an investigation committee. They review your ballot. And if you are found um, worthy to receive the degrees, you pay an initiation fee. And over a period of several months or years, you receive three degrees initiation ceremonies. And after you take the third degree of Master Mason, you are a full member of the lodge. What happens at a lodge meeting? Majority of Masonic meetings uh, consist of opening the lodge in a formal fashion, going through business, which is usually approving the minutes from last meeting, paying any bills. There's usually something related to poor and distressed brothers or widows, people who are sick or charity efforts, uh, coordination with other lodges in the area, the usual business that would any organization to have. At the end of the meeting, there would be a formal closing, and then you usually go to dinner or other sort of socialization. I like a lot of the principles of Freemasonry. I think my society would benefit greatly from stealing a lot of their core tenets, mainly the improvement of better self. I know I can strive to be better. You should hear the amount of times I re-recorded this segment because I didn't like my delivery. I didn't like that either, but you know what? I'm just going to leave it. I also think that the facilitation of social interaction is something that's become severely lacking over the last few years of global pandemic, a pandemic that the global elites created to keep us inside and make us servants and 5G and whatever my rights are being infringed upon by this fucking mat. Sorry. Um, Something I find unfortunate about what they call true accepted Freemasonry is that it's comprised of solely men, which is not only a little dated and silly, but if my secret society is going to impact the world positively, or negatively, cutting off half the population is not an effective means to do that. I get the brotherhood, but I know a lot of great women who contribute way more than I do, and not having them just because of how they were born is stupid. That being said, a big part of having a secret society is not letting people in, so we need to come up with a good method of exclusion, and what better place to start than one of the most prestigious and exclusive groups in the world, the Ivy League. Yale University is one of the most difficult colleges to get into, which is why it should come as no surprise that the New Haven campus is home to many secret societies of its own. I am a writer, and I'm 28, and I went to Yale. Our anonymous guest actually ended up leaving her secret society, but we'll get to that in a couple minutes. Hold on, give me one second. Okay, there we go. So how does one join one of these clubs? Societies are only made up of seniors, and so your junior year, you'll get a letter at your door, maybe for several societies, and then they'll interview you, maybe blindfolded. Then they tap you and you decide if you want to join. I lived off campus in a house with friends, and so they, the different societies drop off letters. So you can just see who's getting more letters, and maybe someone isn't getting any letters, and there's just a lot of gossip around who's wanted and who isn't. And it kind of feels like a referendum on how popular you've been so far at Yale. As of 2018, the university has 47 secret societies, but not all of them are considered equal. There are like many different rungs of society. There's the ones with crypts, and then there's the ones with houses, and then there are the ones that take place in people's dorm rooms. Skull and Bones or Scroll and Key have like wait staff, and one that I was inside had war holes on the walls and that kind of thing. I've only been inside very few of them because the whole point and part of the mystique that they 
have is that, you know, only the members who have been tapped have access inside. What are some of the activities that take place for members? You meet once a week on Thursdays, if I remember correctly. And what you primarily do is you tell each other bios. Every week is a different member and you tell maybe a three to five hour prepared, like maybe slideshow or just story of your life. I'm (laughs) uh, a creative person. So a lot of my friends, you know, we just like do that anyway, but in a more organic way. And I felt like it was kind of laborious and boring (laughs) to hear other people. And just like, that's not really how friendship works in my opinion. (laughs) So she left. I feel that the whole thing of getting into Yale is that it's this incredibly exclusive thing. And then upon arriving, these students want another level of exclusivity and another level of sorting who's the best out of this group. And so that's kind of, a, I feel, a problem with the Yale culture. What's potentially interesting about it is that it's this kind of old world concept that is repurposed, but still very intense today. Top universities have many methods of determining who's fit for their program. Your GPA, your test scores, everything you've ever said on Twitter. But I've decided to keep it simple. To join my secret society, all you have to do is pass a single test. You'll be seated at a table, with four items, a box of cereal, a bottle of milk, a ceramic bowl, and a spoon. The person conducting the test will sit on the opposite side of the table and simply observe. So think carefully about your actions. Or just wait until the end of the episode where I say the answer in reverse. Another thing I'm gonna take from Yale University is the ritual, the mystique. We want people to respect us. We want people to want to be us. My point is, we need to have a home base a humongous building with Greek architecture that looks completely out of place next to everything else in the suburb. The kind of place where people will think, huh, I wonder what goes on there. And we're gonna pay for this building using Web3. Yes, membership will be exclusive to our NFT holders. (laughs) I'm sorry, I had to. I don't think that that would be such a bad idea. It would probably raise millions of dollars, but I I, I don't wanna sell an NFT, (laughs) you know? The unfortunate thing is, until we do have control over all world money and everything, we will have to find a way to pay for our activities until then. So we'll probably have to have some type of like country club annual dues model. Some of these dues are like really expensive. I remember I once went to the uh, Palo Alto Country Club. I think that's like 20 grand or something crazy. We're going to dive much deeper into this shortly. But first, this podcast needs to pay its expenses. So please buy the product of whatever advertisement comes next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed with mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Hello, welcome back. In season one, you might recall we did an episode about North Korea, which is kind of a secret society. Our guest for that episode was Tara Palmieri, who went there with the State Department. Tara has since done many, many things, including a couple great podcasts that you should go check out. But today she's here to talk to us about the secret societies or secret country club. I don't, they're not really a secret, but anyway, we can learn something from this. A few of my friends in the neighborhood belong to this club. Um, it's called The Casino. It's in Brooklyn Heights. It's super hard to get into. Very expensive. I was invited to go play tennis there. I was like, oh, this is interesting, right? What was the first thing you noticed when you got there? You know, it's got like a lot of rules. And by not knowing them, you sort of stand out in the club as a guest or like not a part of the club. I like this. This is good. What are some of these rules? Um, you can't speak above a certain decibel. My friends were like, Tara, you can't speak that loudly while you're talking. And I was like, I'm a Jersey girl. If there's a joke, I'll laugh loudly or whatever. And they were like, there's a certain tone that you speak in when you're there. If you're a man, you always have to wear a, um, a blazer, even if it's hot in the dining area, right? And there are places where the kids can go and places where the kids can't go. And you can't answer your cell phone anywhere. That's a great rule. It'll keep all the NFT people out because if you're away from your phone for too long, it might go down in price. And then you'll know you'll lose your entire net worth and you won't be able to pay our membership dues. These are the most elite people that can afford, you know, to pay between fifteen to twenty-five thousand dollars a year or whatever it costs to join a club like with this. Most normal people don't have that kind of disposable income. And neither does anyone that I know. So I think we're gonna have to come up with a different maybe like financial aid. Uh no. Okay, you know what? My dream of having a Greek mansion uh, is gonna be replaced. We're just gonna have it in my apartment. Okay? That doesn't mean we're not going to have rules, though. Cue the rules music. Ari's super cool club, which is not what we are officially calling it, will abide by three laws of decency as follows. Law 1. Speak in a respectful manner. No yelling, unless undeniably warranted inside voices only. Law 2. Bring food. Surprise us, but recognize that if you bring something awful, we will be surprised. And law three, present your best self. Absolutely no ripped denim. All right, that's it. That's all the rules. And that's all you need to know. Sorry, that's all you don't need to know about my secret society. So with that being said, I think it's time to recruit our first member. I'm seated here with... Adam Faze. Yes, that's your line. Thank you. Uh, he is a 34 or 28 or 24-year-old music producer. And today he's going to... Hopefully, join my secret society. 
I would really like you to be a member. So I hope you pass. All right, in front of you, you have a cup of milk and a box of cereal. That's all. <laughs> there was about 20 seconds of silence that I'm going to cut because it's boring. But then... Oh, you put the cereal in first. Unbelievable. Welcome. Wow. Okay. <laughs> a honor and a pleasure. Well, that was it. I have my first member. I'm taking new applications. You can DM me on Instagram. How quickly I get through them, I have no idea. Yes, this is a real thing. Whether or not I actually want all of these people in my apartment, I don't know. But hey, you know what? We'll get to that as the problem arises. Lastly, if you are thinking of joining and you ask me what does my secret society do, you're automatically out. Because it's a fucking secret. And as always, thanks for listening. Things You Don't Need to Know is a Hyperobject Industries production. The show is hosted and written by me, Ari Kagan, and produced by Harry Nelson, Claire Slaughter, Jordan Allen, and also me. Additional help from Daniel True Omatis. Our executive producer is Adam McKay. If you like Things You Don't Need to Know, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and hit subscribe. This is the part of the episode where I would tell you to leave us a review, but if you want our secret society to remain a secret, don't, because we want it to be just us. So share it with a friend that you trust, and I'll be looking forward to our next meeting. See you next week. Oh yeah, one more thing. The answer to the test is surf under the water.